And to our great God this morning, we are grateful for another day, for this moment to break bread together by opening up the word. My prayer is that it might touch us in ways we hadn't anticipated and that we might revisit a familiar topic again for the first time. And together we said, Amen. This morning, I'd like us to journey together, beginning with the theme, from ritual to relationship. From ritual to relationship. For many of us, our prayers are first taught to us as rituals. Think back to when you were a child to some more recently than others. And what was the prayer you were often taught? Some version of, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. Very good. Another, before we eat, and some of us are already gurgling in our bellies. So stay with me, it will be brief, hopefully. God is, God is good. Let us thank by, we thank you for our daily bread, amen. So there's no stumping the preacher. But this is how we are often taught to pray, right? Through ritual through repetition. And today's text highlights yet another prayer that many of us learned in Sunday school or in our homes, and it's the prayer now commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and some call it the Disciples' Prayer, and it's often recited during Holy Communion. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or trespasses as we forgive those. Oh God, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And this is the form of prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples in our gospel reading today. The disciples came to Jesus and asked that he might teach them how to pray. Jesus gives them this framework of prayer and then goes into a conversation about the persistent prayer and asking of a friend and then the seeking and asking prayer of God. Although not perfectly chronological, I am still fascinated at the point in which the disciples ask Jesus to pray and teach them to pray. They had already joined Jesus on a journey. They had witnessed Jesus' powerful teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, where they heard him talk about hard stuff like loving your enemies and bearing fruit and building houses on a firm foundation as a witness for putting faith into practice. 
They heard of many parables, like the parables of the four soils and sowing seed into good soil. They had witnessed Jesus perform miracle after miracle, raising a widow's son from the dead, calming a storm while on raging waters, healing a woman with the issue of blood, raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, restoring a demon-possessed man to his right mind, and feeding 5,000 men and thousands of women and children with two loaves of bread and five fish. And then, not perfectly chronological, but then they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. That strikes me because they have been doing a lot of this holy work. They have been witnessing a lot of this holy work, and yet prayer had not yet been discussed. What that says to me is that the first note of lesson from this text today is that our prayer lives must be intentional. It says that we can go through this faith journey and go through the motions and still not have a prayer life. I know I'm not talking to anyone in here. But there are times where we get so busy doing the work that God has called us to do or that we think God has called us to do that we don't have time to pray. And when we do pray, we just pray what we've always prayed. We've heard what we've always heard. And then we wonder why there are moments where we feel so depleted, where we wonder if this faith thing is real, where it becomes more than going through the motions, repeating the prayers we were always taught, reading the prayers that are laid before us. This morning, I hope that we can capture again the intentionality of an interior prayer life. For in the text today that has been read from Luke, I believe that there is a message and a witness and a lesson for us to glean that prayer can turn rituals into relationship. In the gospel reading, we see that Jesus teaches the disciples a framework for prayer that acknowledges our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with each other in community and in neighboring. To begin the prayer, Jesus uses two words, our Father. It echoes the first and the second commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and our souls and our minds, and the second commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. First, let's hone in on the use of the word our. It's a collective and community call out to God. It draws us, whether we realize it or not, into relationship with each other as we go into prayer. Yes, God intimately knows us individually. The Gospels even tell us that God knows the number of hairs on our head. And yet, when we come into the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, we are coming into a communal prayer. God commands us to be in community, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And lest you think that community only includes people like you, people that look only like you, or think only like you, or pray only like you, or attend only your church, God is not just your God. God is our God. 
As a daughter of this church has proclaimed in her book, Holy Envy, Barbara Brown Taylor states that the only clear line I draw these days is this. She says, when my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I choose my neighbor. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. Our God calls us into community, into relationship with one another. Then the word father. I know it's weighted. There's a lot we could say. There are many sermons we could preach just on that. But focus in with me on the fact that it is a word of relationship. We know that throughout the Bible, we hear references to God as father. And yet God is also described as a woman in labor in Isaiah, as having given birth to his people in Deuteronomy. He's, God is compared to a nursing mother in Isaiah and a mother teaching her child to walk in Hosea. God is described as a mother bear whose cubs have been taken away and as a hungry lioness. So don't get hung up on the, the pronoun or the gender, but get hung up with me on the call to relationship with a God that parents us, that births us, that gives us into the world. And God's character and breadth of being is so broad and relevant to so many aspects of our lives and our life journey that God is known by many names. David calls God a shepherd. Jesus calls God Abba, Father. Isaiah says that in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw God high and lifted up. Throughout the Old Testament, we hear God referred to as El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, as Adonai, Lord God, our High Lord, Jehovah Nisi, the God that is my banner who goes before me into battle, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals mind, body, soul, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. I ask you this morning, who is God to you? When you reflect on your relationship with God, who has God been, shown God's self to be in your life? How have you experienced God? This question calls us into relationship with God, with a God that has been present, that is present, that shall be present forevermore. This pulls us out of our ritualistic posture of prayer into a relationship posture of a, with a God who knows us and while knowing us, loves us with an everlasting love. In the book of Acts, it says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. This God is not served by human hands as if God needed anything from us. Rather, God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For in God, we live and move and have our being. Our prayers move us into relationship with the God who takes relationships seriously. If you don't believe me, just reread the text we heard this morning from Hosea. That's a God who who cares about whether or not we forsake God, a God who cares about our connection with 
God, a God who wants us so much in relationship that God birthed us to dwell in God's creation. After calling us into community and into relationship with God, Jesus then provides a wonderful frame and construct of prayer that proceeds. He then goes into the adoration and the thanksgiving aspects of prayer when he says, hallowed be thy name the revered and holy and consecrated name of God. He then calls us out in our prayer life to the submission to God's will. God, may your kingdom come. Aspirational, hope-infusing kingdom of God. Then there's the act of supplication in our prayer life. God, give us this day our daily bread. And then there's the confession and redemption. I, I think it's so fascinating that that you think that God needs your confession as much as you need your confession. Lord, forgive us of our sins. When we confess, we are brought face to face in relationship with ourselves, where we have to face the ugly fact that we're not perfect. We don't always get it right. We make mistakes, and so do others. So God, please forgive us of our sins as we forgive the sins of others then the humility and the realization of our dependence on God. Lord, God, please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This construct of prayer moves us from ritual to relationship. I then like that Jesus, through the teaching, incorporates other examples of relationship. He talks about a friend who has gone to sleep who really doesn't want to be bothered and yet through persistence responds. He then goes on to say that if we ask, it'll be given. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be opened. That to me is an invitation to an adventure of prayer. For prayer is a wonderful adventure. When we embrace prayer for all that it has been created to provide, it becomes a wonderful adventure into our interior lives, into an entrance into relationship of our minds, our bodies, and our souls. I think many of us walk around with misconceptions about prayer, that prayer involves asking things of God on and on and on, that prayer must be a struggle, that I can't just pray out loud. I have to read or I have to think too deeply before I can pray. All of those become barriers to a free and adventurous prayer life that the universe is fixed. Some believe it, everything's going to happen the way it's going to happen. I have no role to play in the intervening components of the universe's movement forward. Some of us think that if we pray and our prayer is not answered every time, our faith might crumble. Others think that if you pray once, that's all you've got to do. Sometimes the persistent prayer is the one that breaks through, not just because God needs us to keep knocking like the widow to the judge, but sometimes we have to keep praying till we actually believe it. Some have the misconception that it's a one-sided conversation where you repeat the words you were always taught and you don't pause to perhaps hear God speaking to you. 
Thorin Kierkegaard said that a man prayed and at first he thought that prayer was talking, but he became more and more quiet until in the end he realized that prayer is listening. Prayer can be life-changing and life-creating. Prayer centers us and allows our souls to catch up. Howard Thurman in Meditations of the Heart says this beautiful prayer that I offer. How good it is to center down, to sit quietly and see oneself pass by. The streets of our minds seethe with endless traffic. Our spirits resound with clashings and noisy silences, while something deep within hungers and thirsts for the still moment and the resting lull. When we pray in that stillness, he goes on to say our spirits refreshed and we move back into the traffic of our daily rounds with the peace of the eternal in our step. How good it is to center down. Prayer doesn't only change circumstances, it changes you. It changes me. Leo Tolstoy wrote, everybody thinks of changing humanity and nobody thinks of changing him or herself. We are co-laborers with God. We participate with God in the happenings and circumstances we don't control. We participate as co-laborers, as Paul points out. I encourage us all to not overcomplicate prayer. Remember, faith is the size of a mustard seed. Very small and simple, and, but yet when put in the ground to grow, it blossoms into a huge plant. Prayer is not unlike that. I love that the disciples had been through so much already with Jesus to the point that they were called Jesus' disciples, and yet they asked to learn more. They remained curious and in a posture of learning. That is a witness for us even today. You've heard many sermons and teachings about prayer, so I know what I'm saying may sound simplistic to you. But every now and then, we need to boil things back down to the simple. Because it's sometimes in that simple that the extraordinary begins to blossom again. God really does answer prayer. Do you believe that? I know that for some, it sounds kind of churchy, but then again, we're in church. <laughs> so I close with a commercial on that. There's a story in the book of Acts. It says that Herod took Peter and imprisoned Peter. And the church became so concerned because Herod had executed John. So they're praying, Lord, please let Peter be set free. Don't execute Peter. So they're praying and they're praying. And while they're praying, an angel goes and sets Peter free. So Peter comes out and goes to the house of Mary where many from the church had been praying. And he's knocking. A young girl named Rhoda goes to the door and she looks out through the peephole or whatever that may have been at that time and sees that it's Peter. She doesn't open the door. 
she runs back and says, oh my gosh, Peter is at the door. Now, mind you, they had been praying that Peter would get set free. So when she went back and told them that Peter was at the door, what did they say to her? You're out of your mind. <laughs> she kept insisting, no, it is so. They said, no, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They realized through their shock that God answered their prayers. Now, I know that your answered prayers may not look exactly the way you want them, may not come exactly when you want them to come. Prayers are not transactional, they're transformational. Just because you prayed it doesn't mean it is so. You pray it in faith to a God who is sovereign and hallowed, and you, you submit to God's will, that is part of relationship. How many of you in relationships sometimes wish you could control your partner? <laughs> or your child? Relationships require ambiguity and yet persistence. Finally, as Jesus closes his conversation on prayer, he says that if we pray, he doubles down on relationship by saying that God will give us the Holy Spirit. That is God's offer of relationship for us in a moment where we do not see Jesus walking in flesh and in blood, but that we could experience God through the Holy Spirit as comforter, as wonderful counselor, as companion, even in the loneliest moments. When we ask, even the Holy Spirit will be given unto us. That Holy Spirit then empowers us to not only pray with our words, but as Frederick Douglass said, to put those prayers in our feet, to try our best to love, to stretch, to give, to serve, to face ourselves and remove the planks from our eyes before trying to take the speck out of our neighbors, to bring justice to nations, to communities, to our church. Now I know that it's been a long year this week. That we have a lot on our plates. Burdens on our shoulders. But will you join me briefly as we close out this lesson on prayer? In prayer. An altar prayer created just there. If you feel comfortable, will you stand? You may kneel or remain seated. But in my tradition, this would be our communal altar prayer moment. Won't you enter in with me in prayer? There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on every face and I know they feel the presence of the Lord. Oh God, as we come to you as father, as mother, 
as parent, as creator, as God who supplies and God who gives peace. We center in this moment. We ask God that in the busyness of life, that you might break through, whether by whisper, by earthquake, by loud resounding voice, remind us that we're yours and that you are our God. Whatever you're doing in the world this day, oh God, we pray that you not do it without us. Hearts are crying out. Silent voices are in need of your move. So God, as one who meets needs, I pray that you meet the needs of those who are calling out even quietly, that you provide comfort and healing. For you said if we ask, we will see and hear the answer. If we seek, we shall find. If we knock, the door shall be opened. We pray all this to you, our God, who is all-powerful. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.